Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 738 for August 4th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchot's back with a real programming by stealth, 138 of X. This is not an adjacent. We are not faking. We are back on the horse. Is that right, Bart? We are absolutely back on the horse. We're not on the horse I thought we'd be on. We're on, a, we're on, we're on an adjacent horse, but it is a real horse. I I'm stretching this analogy I, no, I much disagree. too I disagree. This is right where, right where we left things was right before we were going to start using Webpack. And I tried doing it without this lesson being taught. And I had a comp- fell over in a heap and you said, yeah, because I haven't taught you how to do it yet. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was, yeah. Okay, so Webpack is a, Webpack is a tool that can do many things. And the first thing we needed for in our journey is to bundle a library we're publishing. So for us to be like the author of jQuery, which is what we did just before we went on hiatus. And that's all we need for HSXKPassWD for the next couple of months. So I was going to leave it there, but then I just saw you struggling and people in the community struggling. And I have a little side project I'm not supposed to be working on, but I sort of am. And it's like, yeah, we don't need it for XKPassWD, but you know something? Let's do the other use case while Webpack is fresh in our head. So we're going to take off the hat that says we are the creators of a library for other people to use, and we're going to switch on the other hat, which we're way more comfortable with. I'm writing a web app, and I want to use lots of other people's libraries. In other words, I want to do Alison's Time Shifter Clock or Bart's side project, or in future, the web interface to XKPassWD, where we'll be consuming our library. Okay. And this is by far the most common use case, right? There are way more people who use jQuery and Bootstrap and Moment.js and Mustache or than there are people who write. Exactly. Right? Then there are people who write these libraries. Okay. So... I was going to leave this for a couple of months, but it's not a good idea for I for anyone, frankly. The community pretty clearly wants to do this. It's just th- this is an itch that we should scratch now. So I just rearrange things. So okay. I can do that. And it's been so long since I promised what we do next. No one remembers anyway. So <laughs> I could have pretended this was the plan all along. But uh, anyway. I like it. So so can I try to put what I think Webpack is going to do for us into a sentence? Please. And then you tell me where I said it wrong. The, the basic idea is to make an, an independent bundle of stuff that can simply be a package that you can publish, that you can put out there, that, that bundles in the things that you need. Yes, you know? but there's nothing wrong in what you've said. I'm going to pad it out a bit, but there's okay. nothing wrong in what you've said there. So rather than using the word module, I can't remember what word you used there, but let's just say that you're trying to make a thing. Right? Maybe you're trying to make a website for yourself, you know, a little brochure site to show off your work, or you're trying to make a wee app because you want to add time together or you want to have funny clocks and stuff. You're trying to make a thing. Mm-hmm. And that thing is going to consist of a whole bunch of your code, and it's going to consist of some code you're bar- borrowing, isn't the right word, other people's code you're using appropriately because it's published, it's open source, et cetera, et cetera. And up until now, we've been using it by simply using content delivery networks. So right? we, we've with just, a script tag, we point over the the CDN and it says, go get Bootstrap and shove it in here. Exactly. And what's Which the downside we, of that? Well, there's two downsides. So the first downside is if you go on holidays and you have no internet access, you've suddenly lost all of your dependencies. And while your code would work fine, your code depends on all of these things that are now inaccessible. 
So you can't work on your code when you're offline, which is mildly annoying. But the second thing is you have third-party dependencies that you're pulling into your code. And those links to the CDNs come in two flavors. You can either say, give me the link to the latest version of Bootstrap. And then as Bootstrap upgrades, the code you get from the CDN keeps changing. So that means that your app's code is changing without you doing anything and without you having any control whatsoever. Mm. So if they introduce a breaking change, you don't get to decide when that happens to your code. You just wake up one morning and it'll be done. (laughs) You're always up to date. You're always up to date because the other approach... (laughs) Right. The other approach is to link to a specific version. So when you go get a a CDN link, you can choose to link to Bootstrap 5.1 or 5.2 or 5.3 or whatever. Well, that means that it's not going to upgrade behind your back. But when they release Bootstrap 5.6 or whatever, you're never going to get it unless you remember to go back to that old code and change that URL, which you're very unlikely to. Now, if I I bundle uh, my code with a bundler like Webpack... Aren't I also saying I'm just on 5.1? Yeah, yes, but. So that bit is the same, as in you are deciding to be on the latest bit. But instead of you having to go and look up the URL and go to each CDN one by one and check what the updated link would be, you go npm space outdated and it will give you a list of all the updates you could choose to apply. And then you go npm space update space whatever it is you'd like to update or everything that's not a breaking change, which is npm update and no arguments because npm knows what is and isn't a breaking change. That's way easier than finding all those links. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it is definitely easier. The other advantage, of course, is that it's much easier. Instead of having to go find CDN links, you just simply go npm space install space name of dependency. Oh my gosh, that sounds so much better. I've spent so much time going, I don't know, is this the right one? Is that the right version? Do I want this? Do I want the minimize, the regular? Minified, yeah. Which of these? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Whereas pretty much every, like once you start noticing them, pretty much every library you have ever used, when you go to their installation guide, there will be a little snippet of code that starts with the three letters N, P, and M. (laughs) And I will literally just tell you NPM space install space name of module. So it it just, it makes it all easier. And then the end result would be, so if you're writing a thing, you're going to want to publish the thing, right? That is, that is the purpose of the exercise. You want to make a website or make a web app. You're going to take something and put it somewhere. Well, it would be really nice if you just had a nice, simple, single folder that contained the working thing. Not all of your tooling to help you run tests and to help you do all the other stuff, just the finished thing thing just one output folder that is the thing and then you either do the whole thing in github and make the output folder be forward slash docs and just use github pages or you use your favorite ftp client to pick up one folder and drop it onto your web server but that's again much much easier to have a folder where everything has been properly created for you and you just take that folder and you put it on the internet okay 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 that's that's kind of interesting I see the advantages of both of those uh, through the GitHub pages and through just throwing it on my own website. If you don't have your own website or just want it all in GitHub, that's great too. Because part of what, well, the one thing I worry about when we talk about doing it in GitHub pages is 
version control, if I'm now goofing around in my code and messing everything up, am I messing up that GitHub page? Probably not, because that's that gets built and then it's it's basically static, right? Right. So once you build it, so they will come. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Okay. So GitHub pages could be configured to either publish your whole repository as the website, which I would not advise because that literally defeats the purpose of Webpack, or to publish the docs folder. But it's not the docs folder in general, it's the docs folder on the main branch. So once you do a dev branch, then the docs folder you're making is not on main. Okay. You can also do it on a tag too, I think. Uh, possibly Maybe. there are a couple of, and the options on GitHub keep changing. So whatever like I think it is, or, you know, you do V1.0 and you can say, that's the one I want to be published. Maybe that is entirely possible. I have Recognize. never worked that way. I've always okay. done it on a folder basis, but the, you're, you are probably correct because you are probably poking around there more recently, whereas I developed habits years ago. <laughs> um, so to some extent, my knowledge kind of gets fossilized into this is how it works. I just do this. Okay. Uh, but they do keep updating the options. So if you're working on a dev branch, well, then you can write to the docs folder to your heart's content where you're not updating your live website. Yeah, yeah. So it, then you get it all working, you get it all happy, and then you just, you know, merge that branch into main and hey, presto, your website's published. Okay, okay, got it. All right, so I think we've got our motivation. I do want to make a confession. I went through these show notes and did all of the lessons, did it all by hand. Uh, and so I will not be asking as many dumb questions and we are much less likely for me to go, well, that didn't work, Bart. And then we find a typo in my code or something. That doesn't mean I understood everything we did. So I will still ask the appropriate amount of dumb questions. Well, I was going to say that frees you up to ask the more probing questions, which is better for the audience. But I'm not sure it's better for me. I have a big mug of <laughs> Questions <coffee>. are harder. <laughs> Questions are definitely harder when you've done your homework because it means they're very penetrating questions. Well, but I have a giant mug of coffee the audience can't see, so we're all good. Good. Well, I think what I'm going to be able to do is ask more overarching understanding questions rather than how do I type this one little line here? That's why I'm hoping. Which is actually more valuable to everyone. I, think, so, yeah, I hope so. We're going to give it, we're giving this a try. It's whether I get to it ahead of time that sometimes we don't always do. So, Indeed. Right. And, you know, we're we're getting back on this horse here. It's been a while. So... The tool we're using is the same tool we used last time. We're just going to use it in a different way. So like you can use, you know, a jigsaw to make furniture or to make, I don't know what else you'd make with the jigsaw. But anyway, I'm not very imaginative with these things. We're going to use the same tool to achieve a different end. And to make our example realistic, we're going to basically make a silly web app that does nothing of any value, but happens to use all of the tools we've come to learn and love in our time in this series. So specifically, we're going to make a web app that has a bunch of our own HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. I say a bunch, it's a teeny tiny piece of each of these things, but that doesn't matter that the quantity, it matters that we can prove we can do it. Then we're going to introduce jQuery, and Luxon, which is a replacement for Moment.js. Um, I'm, I have to say I'm finding Luxon quite pleasing to work with. Good. Uh, we're also going to then introduce Bootstrap into the mix. Although since we last spoke, Bootstrap has bumped version from four to five. So we'll bump some Bootstrap five in. And then when we did our templating, we did that with Mustache. So we're going to bump some Mustache in. When it came to doing cool icons, we used a Glyph icon font. Specifically, I think we used Font Awesome. Um, 
We may not use font awesome in this example. Those show notes are not quite written yet. But we will use a font icon. And then just to finish it off, I'm not sure we ever did this as part of the main series, but the other thing that's really common to want is to use web fonts. So these are fonts that are not the ones that you can be guaranteed every browser has, but instead they're fonts that are published on the internet. And so you effectively reference them by URL. It's done through CSS. You've and changed the show notes since I ran through this, haven't you? This is a lot more than I did, but I but I think this repetition is exactly what makes it this work. Right, but remember the other the other part I'm about to get to is, and this is a two parter. Oh, okay, that's right. This is this is yeah. part uh, thirty one thirty eight. And the other and one thirty nine. See, yeah. one thirty nine is seventy five percent written. Uh, okay. it, it is it is as far as bootstrap and mustache, and then the bit I'm about to write tomorrow is the icon font and the web font. Okay, but uh, we get most of the way through uh, today. I mean, we get a great we get deal through a of the lot through, of stuff conceptually. Yeah, we absolutely do. So conceptually, we get through everything today, and in terms of actually doing, we get through half the stuff as well. Excellent. So. This is really a case of we learn by doing way more easily than me talking, talking, talking. Um, I, I tried to write the show notes as a theoretical, generic case. It's like, no, don't be generic about this. We have a tool set. We have the whole reason that we made decisions that we would use jQuery, that we would use Bootstrap, was so that we wouldn't have to make airy fairy hand waving things. So let's just be specific. So we're going to be specific. I think it's way more fun too. That too, and, and and easier to write. So much easier to write. So. We're going to start by just doing a dummy web app that doesn't have any dependencies. It just has our own HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And then we're going to webpack that. And then we're going to throw the rest into the mix. And we're going to manage our dependencies with the Node Package Manager, or NPM. So we're basically going to do an NPM install to get our packages in. And then, like we already mentioned, we can, at any stage in the future, see what is updatable with npm outdated. And then we can use npm upgrade to update whatever it is we would like to update. Uh, so conceptually, before we, before we dive into the worked example, when you do an npm install, what happens? Uh, you install the dependencies. Okay, so you yes, that is that is definitely a true statement. But it's a what I was hoping to get to is that it makes a folder right there in the folder you're working in called uh, node underscore modules with a whole down- lot of glop. Yes, it downloads the thing you asked for and everything it depends on, and it shoves all of it into that folder. Right. So you now have a full copy right there on your computer. So if the internet goes away, you have it right. So the CDN problem is gone by the act of doing npm install or npm CI. You are downloading the stuff into that node underscore modules folder. So hypothetically, you could publish to your web server the node underscore modules folder and then update all of the, you know, script tags and stuff to point to dot slash node underscore modules forward slash jQuery forward slash dist forward slash jQuery dot Don't do that. Do not do that. Right? That is deeply inefficient. That is absolutely positively not the way you're supposed to do it. But you hypothetically could. Instead, we're going to use a bundler, specifically Webpack, to take the pieces of that giant folder of glop that are actually used... And to extract those and re basically reassemble them 
into a single file called bundle.js and then we just need to update our script tag to point at bundle.js and all of our dependencies will be in that one JavaScript file, which is way easier to work with. Yeah. So once everything's up and running, the basic process will be we write our code in a source folder. We're going to use forward slash SRC. We're going to use Webpack to convert the source folder into an output folder, which has everything all bundled together. So the source is going to be SRC. We're going to use an NPM script to do the build process automatically. So we're going to be able so basically going to edit our code in SRC. Then we're going to type npm space run space build, which is going to call Webpack, and Webpack's going to do magic. And then the end result will be in a folder named docs, which is our output folder. And we're using docs because that you don't have to do it with GitHub pages, but it'll just work. So, you know, even if you're not planning on using GitHub pages, why not just use a folder called docs? Won't sure. do any harm. Right. It, so, it's, kind of, it's kind of odd to think of code in a folder called docs, but I, but I can get used to it. Yeah, it's not so much code as your finished product is how I like to think of it, right? Your code is in source and that is being converted into a finished product. Now, yes, you happen to know that that finished product is also code because it's in an interpreted language, not a compiled language, but it could be a .exe file, right? If you were writing a Mac app, the process would be the same. You write your so you write your code in one folder, you run a build process and it spits something out in another folder. Huh. If it was a Mac app, you were making it to be spitting out a .app file. In our case, it's spitting out some HTML and CSS and JavaScript. But it's the same process. Okay. Right, so in order for this to work, we have six preconditions. So for what we want to achieve today to be possible, we need to have in our... Okay, so we need to be using Node.js, of course, and our package.json file for our thingy we're working on must specify an entry point and it must point to an actual real javascript file and that javascript file is going to be the central thing where everything else has to come out of right so it's called an entry point it's the it's the start of your code where do i start reading this is where you start reading and then that file will include other files and it will follow all of those links to other things but it has to know where to start, right? You have a whole folder of glop. Where's the start? Okay, the way you can't you do start that by is... looking for bootstrap. It's got to start somewhere else. Exactly. And okay. so you tell it using the uh, key value pair main, which is what uh, NPM calls the entry point. It calls it main. So in your package adjacent, you're going to have main colon and then some sort of relative path. We are going to use src forward slash index.js, right? That is, not, you, that is not a must. We are choosing to use that specific file as our entry point. Okay. Uh, so that entry point then is where we are going to do all of our imports. So that entry point should import our own JavaScript that we write for ourselves if we spread it over multiple files. It should also import, which is definitely not something we've ever done before, we're going to have our JavaScript file import our CSS. Mm. Because Webpack is going to transform the CSS into JavaScript. That's And then weird. just shoot it as JavaScript. It That's is weird, weird. But it works. It works. Uh, and we sort of know this is possible because when we were working with jQuery, we could use jQuery's .css function to alter CSS. 
Mm-hmm. Well, if jQuery can do it, JavaScript can do it because jQuery is not mm-hmm. magic. It's just pretty JavaScript. Good point. Good point. Therefore, it is possible. Okay. Uh, so the third thing then is that Webpack itself must be installed as a dev dependency inside our little project for our thingy we're making, along with all of the Webpack plugins and loaders and things that we are going to use. So for us, that means npm install minus minus save dev Webpack, Webpack-CLI, CSS-loader, style-loader, and copy-webpack-plugin. And we will describe each of those pieces it shortly, uh, although the is, two obvious ones is that um, is that true always, or have you picked and chosen specific ones you want for this example? It will always be true that you need Webpack and Webpack CLI, mm-hmm. and after that, it depends on what it is you're using Webpack for. Okay. So when we used Webpack in the previous installment to achieve a different end. We definitely did not install CSS loader or style loader or indeed copy Webpack plugin. We only installed Webpack and Webpack CLI. Okay. All right. So when we go to do some task uh, with Webpack, we would need to understand what we're trying to do and look at the things that we can load from NPM. It'll kind of, to, to some extent, it's going to be the other way around. So we're going to start with an empty Webpack config. And then as we go to say, I need to achieve this end, how do I achieve this end? Ah, oh, I like- use. Like I want to convert my CSS into JavaScript, I must need CSS-loader. Correct. And so that list is the end result of me preparing the show notes. The only thing I knew for sure when I started writing the show notes was I would need Webpack and Webpack CLI, and all the rest fell out of achieving the task. And CLI, I'm assuming, is command line interface. Correct. Okay. So basically, Webpack is the core library, and Webpack CLI is the actual Webpack command. Okay. Uh, We also are going to need a Webpack configuration file, which is always named webpack.config.js, and it sits in the root of our our little project. So it doesn't sit in our source folder. It sits up at the root next to package.json. Okay. And that file is going to specify a bunch of stuff. We're going to look at that file in great detail, but that config is going to tell Webpack, what do I turn into what and how? That is really important, actually, that file. That's where a lot of stuff happens there. So you are then going to have to tweak your HTML so that it uses relative URLs instead of those CDN URLs. And those relative URLs are going to point to the outputs that you have configured Webpack to make. So inside your webpack.config.js, you're going to specify the bundle file name. Well, whatever you call it in the config file, you're going to have to match that in your HTML. Okay, okay. And then the last thing is, in order to actually do the building, you need to add an NPM script, which I would suggest you name build. And that is going to call Webpack for us by using the command uh, npx space webpack space minus minus mode equals production, which is exactly copied and pasted from last time's show notes. Where does this build script go? In our entry point? This, so inside your package.json, you get to define arbitrarily many scripts which you give a name to so we would have used a script named test to run jest so we're now creating a script named build to run npx webpack etc so inside your package.json there's a i think it's in our no inside package.json there is a dictionary named scripts and inside there you're going to make a new entry with the name build and the value in the show notes okay so then so this npm script goes inside uh, package.json. Correct. Okay. 
Right, because that's how we configured the npm command. Okay. So then we can do npm space run space build. Okay, this all sounds very difficult, but don't worry, we're going to work through it as a worked example. So you can either jump straight to the finished product or you can play along. If you want to jump straight to the finished product, it's in the installment zip in a folder called pbs138a. If you open that folder in your favorite, you know, open that folder and then open a terminal, to make it go, you would type npm space ci, which is for clean install, which means it will read package-lock.json and use that file to create exactly the version of every module I used and install those for you in a folder named uh, node underscore modules. And then you will run npm run build, which will generate a new folder called docs, which contains the very important file index.html. You pop that in your browser and you can see the end result of everything we're doing in this worked example. That's sort of like working on the problems in a workbook and just looking up the answer at the end. That's no it fun. It kind of is. <laughs> but if you want to see what it will look like and then figure out how we got there, some people like to learn that way, right? Okay. They find it easier to understand the steps if you see the end product. So, you know, to each their own. Fine. If you'd like to play along, much easier, make an empty folder, open it in the terminal. So that's Stephanie. Okay. So, so I, then I'm not going to do this as we go this time. Okay, because you have done this, but I'm going to pretend you are, right? I'm going to pretend you are. I'm going to describe it as if you are, because you have done it at least twice. So, you know. (laughs) Um, For you listening along at home, I'm going to say to you, copy a file from blah to blah. So you're going to find a whole bunch of folders named pbs138a-1-2-3-4. Those are the intermediate stages. And inside those folders are only the files that change at that part, at that step in the process. And so you just copy the file that's changed into your now empty folder. And then you'll have everything instead of having to copy and paste each line one by one. And that's just messy. Right. I, of so course, did it the, the very hard first way. I I wanted yeah. to test the show notes too, so I copied and pasted from the show notes. Okay, well, whatever works. So all of this is being done through NPM. So the first thing we need to do with our empty folder is make it into a node project. So we just type NPM space init, and it will give you a little game of 20 questions. And you can answer anything you like to almost all of the questions. But when it asks you what your entry point is, give it the answer src forward slash index.js. Other than that, I really don't care what you answer. You can call it all pancakes and waffles and whatever else. But that one has to be src forward slash index.js. So when it says entry point, that's what you need to do. So when the wizard is done, it will have created for you a package.json file. And you now need to do a few manual edits in that file because at the moment, when we record this in the summer of 2022, Node.js is in this strange intermediate period where it has two optional ways of being. You can either be in uh, the old way or the ES6 way. And we in this series are future looking people. So we have been in ES6 mode for some time now. So we just need to tell Node.js to be futuristic and be ES6. And we do that by opening package.json and adding a top-level key to the dictionary with the name type and the value module. And that will tell uh, Node.js that we are in ES6 mode. Okay. So when all is said and done, your 
file will look similar to what's in the show notes. The only two values that I care about are main and type. All the rest can be whatever you like. And again, main in src slash index.js is telling it um, we need to give it the entry point. Correct? Correct. Yeah, so the the name they gave the entry point is main. So they call it entry point in the wizard, and then the actual thing it becomes in the file is main. I'm assuming that's one of those you know, very early decisions when someone started writing the code and then someone changed their mind and the old decision is fossilized into the file structure. Okay. Okay, so we now have an empty Node.js project. And I'm being a little bit more detailed than I normally would be, but we've been on hiatus for so long that I'm sort of, I'm over-explaining some of this stuff because it's sort of a refresher too. I like it. Keep going. I didn't think you'd object. (laughs) So we're going to make a really basic page that just has some HTML, some CSS, and some JavaScript. And we're going to do it all in a folder called SRC, which is where Webpack is going to use as its input. And then when we're done, Webpack is going to spit it all out in a folder called Docs. So to get our example started, copy from the... um, PBS138A-1 folder, you're going to find in there an index.html, an index.css, and an index.js. Those are the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript files. So pop those across. And uh, in your folder called source, SRC. And then we're just going to look at them very briefly. They are supremely simplistic, right? The HTML file is a boilerplate uh, HTML5 document, which has... A title, PBS138 Webpack Demo. It has one script tag that that loads dot slash index.js. In other words, it loads our JavaScript file. And it has a link tag, rel equals stylesheet, to pull in the CSS from dot slash index.css. And then the body consists of one H1 level heading that says hello. Then it has the word static wrapped in a span I'll talk about in a moment, followed by the word world, because I'm so imaginative. (laughs) And I have wrapped the word static inside a span with the ID world-modifier. And the reason for doing that will become clear shortly, because we're going to use that second word in the sentence as a sort of a canary in the coal mine kind of a thing to prove to ourselves that stuff is working like we think. So I'm I'm a, I am right at the first time I'm a little bit tangled. So in our mm-hmm. HTML file, uh, we're, our source is going to be dot slash index.js because we're already in the source folder. But that's mm-hmm. that's calling the entry point. I would have thought we would be starting at the entry point and calling something else, not the other way around. Our HTML okay. is calling the entry point. Yes, because we're not Webpack. A, we're not Webpack. B, we haven't Webpacked this thing up yet. We're dealing with a normal Node.js project so far, right? Webpack hasn't entered the conversation yet. Okay. Right. Remember, we started with an empty folder, and we told it to become a Node.js project. Right. And now we're putting some code in. Okay. The next step we're about to get to is to install Webpack. Okay. So there is no Webpack yet. I'll hold, please. (laughs) Hold, please. But I know where you're going with this, and I'm actually going to preempt your hold. Okay. So Webpack is a JavaScript bundler. Mm -hmm. So Webpack is obsessed with JavaScript. (laughs) So the index.html file is the bit that the browser sees as the entry point, but not the bit Webpack sees as the entry point because Webpack is completely JavaScript headed. Okay. Webpack is a JavaScript obsessed thing. That's, That's where it came from. 
and that's what it does. So we are always going to have our HTML file loading one JavaScript file. At the moment, it's index.js. When we're finished, it won't be index.js. It'll be the output of Webpack that gets loaded into the one script tag. Oh, okay. That just clicked. Penny okay, good. Okay. All right. So as I said, this starting point, remember, is we don't know Webpack yet. This is, this is a very, very basic starting point like we have learned before. Our CSS in index.css is even simpler. It could be one line, but I spread it over three. It says that anything with the ID world-modifier should be the color purple. Okay, so in other so words, static is going to be in purple. If we have successfully loaded the CSS file, then there will be purple in that heading. That is mm-hmm. basically how it's being our canary in the coal mine. That is how we're going to prove to ourselves, aha, the CSS worked which is very useful when we start bundling stuff with Webpack, right? How do we know the CSS is still working? Oh, look, it's purple. Uh, The next thing then is the JavaScript file. So the JavaScript file is, again, it's very basic, but we don't have jQuery yet because we don't have any dependencies. This is a really, really basic file. So this is what JavaScript would look like if we had never learned jQuery. This document.addEventLister DOM content loaded comma function garbage is how you do a document-ready handler when you don't have the dollar function at your disposal. Makes my eyes bleed. But it's good to look at this because a lot of times when you're searching for the answer, if you forget to put jQuery as a uh, required modifier for your question, you're going to see this document.getElementById nonsense. Exactly. So inside our handler then is the bit that's going to find the thing on the page with the ID word modifier, and it's going to change the text from static to dynamic. So in non-jQuery world, that's document.getElementById text becomes equal to dynamic. So that's actually in other changing words, the word static to the word dynamic. Correct. So we know for a fact, if we open this in a browser and it says, hello, dynamic world, and dynamic is in purple, we know two things, the JavaScript loaded and the CSS loaded. Okay. So the first screenshot in the show notes is indeed exactly what happens when you open S or C forward slash index.html in your browser, you see hello dynamic world where dynamic is in purple. Okay. So that is how we know things are working. Now let's webpackify this thing. So the first thing we have to do is get all of our pieces in place. So npm install minus minus save dev webpack webpack CLI CSS loader style dash loader copy webpack plugin. So that is going to suck in core webpack and the, the loaders we need. So the next thing we have to do, like we learned in the previous installment, is that we need to tell Webpack what to do. So you will find a file called webpack.config.js in pbs138a-1. Uh, and I've just noticed a typo in the show notes, which I'm going to fix right now this second, so that it doesn't say 37. Uh, so you'll find that file in there. So copy it across, and now let's have a look at the content of the file. So I did what I think most listeners do. I went to last time's show notes and I copied the config from last time and then I emptied out everything after the word export default open curly bracket as far as the closing curly bracket. And then I went to Google and went, okay, now what? (laughs) But the bit before that is in the show notes as, quote, needed hackery to get underscore underscore file name and underscore underscore dir name in ES6 mode. And then there's a link to the Stack Overflow article that explains why right now in 2020, Node.js is weird. So for the next couple of years, just copy and paste the first seven lines or so. I think it's exactly seven, actually. 
and they are just always going to be there if you use webpack right they don't they're they're just foundation <laughs> right or chrome right you know so some decoration anyway they're just there the next thing we have to do is we have to tell webpack we would like to use a plugin called copy plugin from the uh, node.js module copy-webpack-plugin which we just installed so it's just import copy plugin from copy-webpack-plugin we're going to need that plugin i'll explain why in a moment and then we have our config so the first thing in our config is it says entry colon that is how you tell webpack what the entry point is going to be so we're telling webpack that the entry point is src forward slash index.js then we need to tell webpack where we would like it to put the output and so in the output entry we put two keys two key value pairs we say that the output folder which is calls a path is going to be path.resolve underscore underscore dear name comma docs that is a long-winded javascript way of saying docs in the same folder as this file in other words docs okay. right here in our little folder we're working in and then the file name is the name to give the bundle that's going to contain all of our JavaScript and CSS all mushed into one single file. So we're going to call it bundle.js. So I'm kind of surprised. I thought we told package.json that that our uh, that main was going to be src slash index.js. I thought that was what was going to tell Webpack where the entry point was. But apparently it doesn't. It's necessary but not sufficient? It's... Technically speaking, you're telling Node.js what your entry point is okay. in, in package.json, and you're telling Webpack what it is in webpack.config.js. Hmm. And I think it is a true fact that if you left out that line here, Webpack would guess you probably want to use whatever it says in package.json. But let's not take a chance. But I don't like doing that. And for Jill, I, I'm going like to correct you to... and just say fact, not true fact, because there's only No, no, facts. no. That, I'm very, very intentionally saying true fact. Um, hello, Jill. Um, <laughs> okay. Just tipping the hat. <laughs> just tipping the hat. Um, okay. Sorry. I know, that was my own train of thought and my own silliness. Um, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So it, it it possibly would work, but we know this is being, we're being specific in telling Webpack your entry point is src slash index.js. Yeah, and it also okay. makes it easier for you to get help from someone else because someone else looking to give you help, the first thing they're going to do is look in this file and see what the heck your entry point is. So it's mm. just easier for everyone if you're not relying on defaults that are, they are definitely documented, but I'd rather just read it from the file. Okay. So the next thing then is inside the module dictionary entry is where a whole bunch of, basically that's where you tell Webpack how. So entry says what, Output says to where, and the module bit is the bulk of the how. And the most important key inside here is the key named rules. And as you might imagine, that's a very important one because it literally tells Webpack the logic it should use. And so each rule is a little object, or a little dictionary as we call them, which contains, in our case, it contains the key test, which is a regular expression saying, how do I tell whether or not this rule applies? And then an array named use, which is a list of loaders that it should do. So if the file ends with .css, do these two things. Hmm. So that's what the rules do. Okay. So we are going to tell it that 
if you see an import statement, so remember, our entry point is called index.js. So inside index.js, we're going to say import, and we're going to give it a CSS file, and that's going to make our heads explode. But when we get over that, Webpack is going to see that import statement, and it's going to follow it. And this rule is going to tell it what the, like JavaScript has no idea what to do with a .css file. So that's where Webpack steps in. And Webpack says, yeah, you don't know JavaScript, but me, I'm a clever. I've been configured. I am going to do these two things with anything that ends in .css. So, we'll, and the two things are the style dash loader and CSS dash loader. Yeah, actually, now is as good a time as any. So, what style dash loader does is it takes CSS text. So, you know, the open curly bracket, blah de blah, colon, blah de blah, right? It takes CSS and it translates it into JavaScript statements that do the same thing in JavaScript. And then the CSS loader takes those JavaScript statements and shoves them into the bundle. Oh, oh okay. So that is the two-step. Translate, save. Okay. The next thing then is we are going to make use of a plugin. It's called Copy Plugin. And Copy Plugin does exactly what it says on the tin. It's, an, it's how you tell Webpack, I want you to take this and put it there and don't change it. Just take this and put it over there. Put a copy of it over there. Put a copy of it over there. So we are saying we would like you to take src slash index.html and make it into a file called index.html in the output folder, please. How come we don't tell it the output folder? Because we have told it up above in the output section that everything we tell it in the output is relative to docs. Oh, okay. 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 Gotcha. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's how our HTML file is going to magically transport across. Okay. So it's not magic. It's just transporting it across. So but if we did nothing other than say your entry point is whatever... Webpack will do all the JavaScript dependencies for us because Webpack is first and foremost a JavaScript bundler. So the the JavaScript you just get for free, you don't have to configure Webpack to do JavaScript. That's what it does. If you want to do more than JavaScript, then you configure. So the first thing we configured is what do we do with CSS files? And the second thing we configured is I want you to take that specific HTML file and put it over there, please. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Excellent. Okay, so all of that then does what I just described, and uh, I'm pretty sure I've said exactly what's in the show notes. So we are now ready. Oh, we need to... Yeah, okay, so this is the point in the show notes where I tell you to edit your package.json to find the scripts dictionary and to paste in build colon npx webpack minus minus mode equals production. Didn't we... So this... Did we say we are doing dev um, earlier? Get a little confused on dev versus production. Uh, that was in the context of npm install, okay. not in the context of Webpack. Okay, okay. But you're right. We did use that word earlier, but different. Okay. So build uh, is calling this script that's going to do that's going to tell npx to go. Yeah. So npx I'm is sorry, Webpack to go. Yeah, npx is a way of executing a Node.js module named Webpack. So basically, execute Webpack, and Webpack would just like to be told that it's in production mode. Okay. So we just tell it that it wants to know. It's fine, if if you'd like to know that, okay. 
And that's that's it, basically. right? So that's the only thing we have to manually edit in there. So now, finally, we are ready to go npm space run space build. And then out of nowhere, magically, will appear a folder called docs with an index.html file. And you will open it in your browser. And you're not going to be very happy. Because it is going to say, hello, static world, and there's no purple. Yeah. But, was but, it supposed but, but, to change it to the word dynamic and it was supposed to be purple? Yeah. So why isn't that working? Okay, well, don't panic. It's literally what I put in the show notes. So we need to actually change our index.html so it actually uses the Webpack stuff. So the link tag is completely irrelevant if we're going to be loading our CSS through JavaScript. Okay, so we so just the, delete the, the link, link tag. The link tag was where we, we pointed to the CSS uh, file. But we've already Correct. told Webpack to, to turn that into JavaScript, so that doesn't do anything anymore? Correct. And in okay. fact, since we're not copying the CSS file across, in the docs folder, dot slash style, dot, dot slash index.css does not exist. It's a 404. Oh, okay. All right. So just delete the link tag. Okay. And go away. The JavaScript being generated is called bundle.js. Oh. Our script tag says dot slash index.js, so we need to update the script tag to say dot slash bundle.js. Okay. Okay, so, so our, our index.html is still super simple. It's still got a title, and it's just going to call in the script tag uh, dot slash bundle.js. And it doesn't have any of that stuff about... Wait a minute, how does it even know what the um, the div ID and stuff is anymore? Where'd that go? Uh, no, no, that's all still in the file. In the show notes, I've just shown the head section. Oh, so the full file okay. is is gotcha. in PBS138A-2, where you will find index.html. So you copy that index.html into your folder, and then you have the full correct HTML file. And the only thing that changed is the head section, which got shorter. And gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, good. Okay. I like it when you so take now we the go... small chunks and don't make us look at the whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah, because otherwise I get lost reading my own show notes. <laughs> so now we can go npm run build again, and we refresh our browser, and things are a little bit better. It says, hello, dynamic world, but there's no purple. So the JavaScript, which we get for free because Webpack loves JavaScript, is working. But the CSS didn't get loaded. Well... We've taken it out of the HTML and we've told Webpack how it should deal with imports of CSS. We never actually imported the CSS, did we? I th we, we told it how, but we didn't actually do it. So we okay. need to open index.js and import the CSS. In okay. other words, we literally need to add the line import space dot slash index.css. Okay. Okay, I'm hesitating a little bit because I got I got stuck on a previous thing where you said that the index.html that you're showing us was in um, PBS 138-2. And I don't think that's the right one because that still calls index.js as the script. Oh, no, that it, yeah, that doesn't call bundle.js. Doesn't it? In dash two. No, it, it calls index.js. Well, then, th then you found a typo. Which must have gotten broken since you last ran the show notes, because that definitely, definitely should say bundle.js, and it should not have a link tag. Okay, and the next, uh, once we get to PBS138A-3, there is no index.html to look at, so 
That would mean we didn't change it except HTML in that step. Yeah. Okay. I will pin that with a little note to us to f- see what's wrong. It's probably my mistake, but just in case. Yeah, no, the, ch- the chances are that at some stage I copied and pasted the wrong file into that too. <laughs> it's entirely possible. A lot of, lot of files with the same name floating around. Right, right, right. Yeah, when I open them, I've got like 14 versions of the same thing going, I kept having to close them and open them, close them and open, make sure I had the right one. Okay, so we have not yet told it to import the uh, CSS file, so we have to do that in the index.js, we have to do an import statement. Correct, because again, index.js is our entry point, so the entry point needs to link out to the CSS, and it is literally the ES6 import keyword followed by the path to what we want to import. So import space dot slash index.css. And that will tell Webpack where to go fetch the stuff, do the translating, and inject it into the bundle. So once you add that one line into index.js, you can then do npm space run space build and hit refresh. And now we have a purple, hello, dynamic world. Cool. Okay. So we, so used, we, have done... we used the document ready handler to change the inner text to say dynamic. And we, we know we've imported the CSS because we've got a purple dynamic. Exactly. So okay. our two canaries are happy again. Now, we have done quite a lot of work to literally achieve nothing we couldn't do before <laughs> because this is our code that we have translated from one form to another. So we haven't really got any gain yet, but we have invested in the future. So now we're going to bring jQuery to the party. And it's going to be much easier for us to bring jQuery to the party because we've done our homework. So this is where we get to benefit from our investment. So the first thing we need to do is we need to... Um, oh, and here's another place where the show notes ended up with a slight duplication because mm. of some in- issues we had earlier. Let's make that go away. So we want to save jQuery as a regular dependency, not as a dev dependency. Now, I hummed and hawed about whether to make it a dev dependency because technically speaking, once you build it into the bundle, it's not needed for the live running code. But the live running code has jQuery as a dependency. So if I want um, any sort of automation to tell me that there's a security update, I want it to see jQuery as an actual dependency of my code because it is a dependency. I'm just bundling it. So that's why we should save it as a true dependency, not a dev dependency. So that stuff like, um, what's the name of that bot that GitHub has? Dependabot can tell us, auga, auga, you have a problem, right? There's no point in telling depend about, you know, oh no, it's only a dev dependency when it is actually being bundled into your real code. So npm install minus minus save jQuery. That's it. No looking up CDNs, no messing about. Just Yay. npm install minus minus save jQuery. But don't we have to, to tell start using to use it? Exactly. So our entry point is index.js. So all we have to do is to import jQuery into index.js, which we do because we would like jQuery to have the name dollar. So we say import space dollar from jQuery. Ta-da! That's we the first have... time I've seen the advantage of uh, of using this module concept is just saying import dollar. I, I know that the dollar is what we're saying. jQuery, just call it dollar. That's cool. Exactly. Okay. It is darn useful. And it also means that if you have particular preferences for how things should be called, you, you're not being forced to do it some way by someone else. It's like, I'm writing this code and I want it to be the dollar. I'm going to make all my code say import pancakes from jQuery. <laughs> yeah, and it'll work. You just have a no pancakes like open you. bracket. <laughs> so now that we have 
a working jQuery at our disposal. We can rewrite that document ready handler so that it's much more familiar to us. So uh, here's the jQuery version, which is simply dollar and then a fat arrow function, which simply says dollar pound sign world dash modifier dot text becomes jQuery. So instead of it saying dynamic, I'm going to make it say jQuery. Okay, so it's so, going to be hello jQuery in purple. In purple. Okay, still in purple because the yeah because it's still inside that span with that ID. I'm going so to again, give that to us, by the way, showing us we got to keep appreciating jQuery. Exactly. And I certainly appreciate it when I was forced to write it the hard way. <laughs> and now I remember why I use jQuery. Uh, okay, so npm space run space build. Are you getting a pattern here? npm space run space build. Doing that a lot. So when we do that, we now get our purple hello jQuery or well, hello jQuery world. Ta-da! Yay! So we now have a fully offline dependency you can yank the plug out while we're not recording and that will work and you can keep developing you can keep saying npm run build and you can keep making new builds it will all keep working because you did the npm install jquery from that point in time the internet was out of the equation okay the only thing i can't do is to npm install something else correct okay. until you get a sip of internet exactly okay. next step then is let's pull in some css from someone else specifically from Bootstrap. So how do we install Bootstrap? Well, that's become very straightforward. npm space install space minus minus save Bootstrap. That's it. Now we need to pull, um, J we now need to import into our index.js the style. And this actually involves a little bit of detective work, unfortunately, because Bootstrap kind of would like you to do something I haven't taught you about, which is a sort of a way of having dynamic CSS. It's really, really cool, but we haven't done it yet. So that's why we're going to do things the old, we're going to do things a little bit cheekily. Okay. So everything we install with npm install minus minus save goes into our node underscore modules folder, which means that bootstrap.min.js is in there. Specifically, it's in the folder called node modules. Oh, typo there. I don't think it's, uh, it's node modules forward slash bootstrap forward slash dist forward slash CSS forward slash bootstrap.min.css. Wow. The find command will very conveniently tell you where bootstrap.min.css is. <laughs> okay. The other thing to say is that the uh, using a folder called dist is one of those, it's not a rule, but everyone does it that way. And it's short for distribution. In other words, this is the folder that you should publish. So that's, you know, that's there's an SRC folder inside Bootstrap that is not the published version. Dist is always the published version. You'll see that in a lot of GitHub pages. Okay. If you go to someone's GitHub site, you'll see that they often have a folder called Dist. And you know, ah, okay, that's the bit for me. Okay, so putting it all together, in order to get Bootstrap, the only thing we have to do once it's installed is say import bootstrap slash disk slash CSS slash bootstrap.min.css. Okay. The reason and that's the again path in our is index.js or entry point. Correct. And notice that the path, we don't have to type the node underscore modules bit because node underscore modules is where JavaScript finds stuff. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay, it already knows. It already knows that that's where I go looking for stuff when I say import. So, hey presto. Okay. Okay. So again, you'll find the updated index.js in dash four. So copying that across and then npm space run space build. 
And now, when you hit refresh, you will notice the default typography has gone from that horrible serif font that HTML does by default into the shiny sans serif beauty that is the Bootstrap default font. So. Now, Bootstrap kind of wants you to do a few extra things apart from just pull its CSS in. Bootstrap is designed to have all content inside a container. So I updated index.html a little bit to add a div class equals container space p-3. In other words, a container with a padding of three. And that's all I did, actually. I just, just, just did that, which makes Bootstrap a lot happier. So um, after that, if you do an npm run build, you'll see that you have a bit of padding around it instead of hello world being jammed straight into the top of the screen. But again, nothing too exciting. So to find to really see Bootstrap doing its thing, let's add a Bootstrap alert that tells us when the page loaded. And because we're doing date stuff, let's use Luxon, which is a replacement for moment.js. So we have another dependency. We need we need a whole other third-party library. npm space install space minus minus save Luxon. Okay, that was easy. We would like to use from Luxon just its datetime class. We don't need its time zone class or all the other classes it offers. So we're going to import just datetime from Luxon. So inside our entry point, index.js, we say import open curly bracket datetime close curly bracket from Luxon. You might have gotten tired of doing this repetition, but it really helped me. I just, I got into the march. You do, you do the NPM install, then you do the import, then you do the NPM install, then you do the import. And, and, and I just, I got the rhythm of it because you did, if you did that once, it would just be one of these fleeting things, but the repetition definitely helped me. Excellent. It, it helped me too when I was doing <laughs> this for real for the first time. So I thought it would be a good idea. So we can now update our document ready handler to use some of our standard jQuery knowledge to make a new DOM object called $alert which is a paragraph into which we add the class alert, alert info, and alert dismissible. Actually, yeah, we probably shouldn't put alert dismissible in there yet, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Won't do any harm. Uh, and then we say alert dollar alert dot text page loaded at, and then we stick in uh, from looks on datetime dot now dot two local string. Like uh, and then we simply say dollar dot container. In other words, find whatever it is on the page with the class container and prepend our alert into the top of our container. Ah, that's so why we've we made an alert container earlier. Well, a because we needed someone to stick this, and b because the the Bootstrap docs are very clear. We assume everything is in a container. Okay, so. Okay, so again, you'll find the full source in PBS 138A-4, index.js. So copy that onto into over your index.js, npm space run space build. And when you hit refresh, you can now see we have a shiny new alert sitting on the top of our page. So that worked. But that alert is kind of a bit rude. It should really have a close button and be dismissible, shouldn't it? Well, you told it to. No, you I, gave it no. You gave it the class, but you didn't tell. I it gave how it to the dismiss. Yeah, exactly. I gave it the class, which I hadn't intended to leave in there. To be honest, I meant to take that out again, um, but doesn't matter. Doesn't okay. do anything. So, this is where I'm going to do the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger. So at this at this point, we are leaving our story with a really annoying alert. So what are we going to do next time in 139? Well, 
we're going to do a small diversion because to make that alert dismissible, we have to add a close button. And the markup for the close button is long and messy to do with jQuery because we need to make a button and give the button a whole bunch of classes and give the button some attributes. It's it's a lot of icky JavaScript. Mm. It will be much, much, much easier to do that using a mustache template. Ah. Like way easier to do that as a mustache template. That's literally why we learned mustache. So the first thing we're going to do next time is bring mustache to the party. So we, that means we have to do an npm install mustache, which is the easy part. But mustache templates are text files. How do we get those bundled? Well, the good news is it's easy. The better news is our mustache code is going to be simpler in the Webpack world than it was in the pre-Webpack world. So not only is it going to work offline and stuff, but it's actually going to make our code shorter to do things oh. with Webpack, which is a really nice bonus I wasn't expecting. And then once we have that working with mustache, then we can put our close button in. At which point in time, we'll make a discovery. We're going to have one of those don't panic moments because the close button won't do anything when we click on it because all we have loaded from Bootstrap is the CSS file. We haven't actually loaded Bootstrap's JavaScript yet. And that gives us an opportunity to remind ourselves that Bootstrap 5 is slightly different to Bootstrap 4. So that's going to be a nice little slight diversion. And then our alert will be dismissible, which will be nice. But of course, if this was the real world, that kind of an alert would have a little icon next to it, probably an eye in a circle. So we really won't run those glyph icon fonts to make our alert look like an alert. So we're going to have to learn how to do that. And it's very boring to just have a plain old sans serif font. I mean, really, we should have some sort of cool font from the Google Fonts Archive or something. So we'll finish off by adding a nice, cool, shiny web font into the mix. And at that point in time, we will have bundled our own JavaScript, our own CSS, our own HTML, obviously. We will have bundled third-party modules like jQuery, Mustache, Luxon. That's a pretty good selection. We'll have bundled third-party CSS from Bootstrap. And we will have bundled a glyph icon font and a web font. And we'll have done templates in an easier way than we've ever done them before. That's, that's all of our parts. That is our full Lego kit, fully upgraded to use Webpack. Cool. This is, I like this because I think uh, it'll be a couple of weeks till we talk again, but you've got it mostly written and I think I'll be able to hold this, uh, these thoughts in my head and it's going to be more repetition, but it is keeping in mind and, and refreshing each of those pieces. Like it's been a long time since I've written something in mustache. Uh, so mm. just seeing it again and, you know, getting to touch it and play with it and take, take it out again. I think that's going to be great. Yeah, and it means that you're when this is done, you're going to be so ready to switch over to your your time added all this kind of stuff using this methodology because this is all of the moving parts you make use of. Yeah, yeah. I um, I have to say this is so much more fun when I've already gone through the lesson. <laughs> I, got, I got to try. I got to make time to do it because I think uh, I'm sure everyone will agree that hearing me mess about and us having to cut out. You know, 45 minutes of me having finding a typo in something I've tried to transcribe while you're talking. Not as much fun as it sounds. Well, and also there's the fact that you, you actually freeze you up to ask more penetrating questions that the listeners are just going to get more value from. Yeah, I, I definitely understand it much better than when I went through the steps. 
I was wrote going, he said to do this, do this. He said to do that, do that. He said, so I had a question written down as, I don't understand. Index.html is creating index.js, but then we're editing index.js. But completely became clear in how that worked when we, uh, when we worked on it here. Adding all those import Excellent. statements. I, t- I, I think I actually understand this lesson. It's a Excellent. miracle. <laughs> but, you know, why is it we do a hybrid written plus audio? That's why. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, Bart. Well, this was great. It's fun to be uh, back. Uh, maybe side saddle on the horse. Will you give me that much? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Well, until next time, folks. Happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to let's-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to let's-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeed or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeed.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.